are starting a new series called uh, The Deeper Life. Um, you can see it there. It's encountering Jesus in the care of your soul. Um, for every single one of us in this room, myself included, um, the, the care of my soul and the distance with which I am willing to walk with God are linked. That, that I, I can only really go as, as far with God as I am willing to go deep with God. And so we're, we're going to learn about what it means to actually really begin to go deeper. As you know, we've been preaching through our discipleship metrics, and uh, we're finishing up our presence discipleship metrics since um, we're talking as a church about what it means to be fully given to the presence of God. And, uh, sorry, <laughs> the, the presence of God and the family and the God, God and the mission of God. Um, we, we wrap up here with presence and talking about our metric of soul care which says that I practice honesty and pursue healing in my life and I know how to maintain a healthy soul. Now, you may take a look right now in your life and go from a scale of 1 to 10. When it comes to practicing honesty, I'm probably a, and you can put your little dot on the mark wherever you want to, when it comes to pursuing healing in my life. Not just physical, but emotional and spiritual healing. Um, where would you put that dot on that line of zero to 10? When it comes to knowing how to maintain a healthy soul, where would you, where would you put your dot on that marker? See, nobody here is so naive to believe that any of us are 10s. And whatever number you're at, that's the number you're at today. And that's okay. But the invitation of God is one that just asks, what will it take to move you one step? If you're like, man, I'm, my honesty is like a two, what would it look like to move from a two to a three in, in your life of honesty? What conversations do you need to have? What do you need to face up to? Pursuing healing in my life. God, I know I'm broken. <laughs> my body might be broken. My spirit might be broken. Uh, I may be emotionally broken, Jesus, and I recognize I'm a mess and I just need to move a step. See, the invitation of God is to move a step deeper with him. Because the promise that Jesus gives in John chapter 10 is this. I have come. This is why Jesus came. He said, I have come that they, they meaning you, may have life and have it in all of its fullness. You would have life and have it in all of its fullness. That means you would not just exist and try to, try to just make it through day by day but that you would live the full life that God has intended for you. And depending on your background, you, you might know this term, the deeper life, by uh, many other terms. And, you know, the deeper life can, can also be called the spirit-filled life. Some call it the sanctified life or the overcoming life or the crucified life, or the obedient life, or the surrendered life. 
And, and what is true is that this idea of deeper life encompasses all of those things. It, it is a lifestyle that you are invited into, not just an experience. Paul writes in Galatians chapter 2, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but who? Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So the deeper life is uh, not just something, uh, what Paul is saying, it's not something we're just pursuing um, out of our own ability. It's not just something I'm trying to do uh, to further exhaust myself. Right? Because we all know we've got plenty that's exhausting us. And, and he's not saying, just, just try to do more things to be like Jesus. No, that's, that's not what he's saying here at all. Um, and, and I know, I think I figured out why it's difficult to explain this idea to people who have not surrendered their lives to Christ. Because what is happening here, as his spirit fills you, is you are, you are awakened to something in your natural that is incredibly and entirely supernatural. And unless you've encountered God supernaturally, you cannot naturally explain it. Our words absolutely fail. <laughs> explain to somebody who has never experienced the love of God what you feel when you're worshiping him and you feel his love washing over you. Explain to somebody in natural terms, you can try it, what it looks like when um, you've, you've had a physical ailment and in a moment in prayer, it's been taken from you. Explain to somebody when you've been bound by sins of your past and suddenly you feel free. It doesn't make sense to us naturally because this is a supernatural exchange that happens as we go into the deeper life. It's why we not, uh, might not even see its evidence existing in our churches because it's possible to know Jesus but not be engaged in the dead to self alive in Christ spirit-filled in Jesus' following way that we were meant to live. A.W. Tozer, uh, who's a theologian in the Alliance and, and known outside of Alliance circles, helps clarify this. He says this, he says, the term deeper life, or something like it, has been used at various times in church history to identify a revolt, a revolt, against the ordinary in Christian experience. It must be understood to mean a life in the spirit far in advance of the average and nearer to the New Testament norm. I don't know about you, but sometimes I get quite unsettled when I'm reading things that are going on in Scripture, especially like when I'm reading through the New Testament and there's things going on in Scripture and I'm reading it and I'm going, Jesus, why isn't that happening now? I see healing happening all over the place. I see the movement of God happening in a mighty way. 
There are people who are coming to recognize you as Messiah. People are being baptized. She says, I want to see that. It's as if there's a normal that is presented in the gospel, and then there is a Christianity that is presented in the church. And they are not the same. It's as if there's a Jesus who we are taught to follow in church, and a Jesus who's operating in scripture that seem like completely different people. Right? Am I the only one? Okay. Thank you for nodding, shaking your heads, and saying no. I appreciate that. See, the church that I first came to faith, uh, started going to when I um, surrendered my life to Jesus when I was 16 um, years old, uh, taught me about Jesus. And there are people who loved God um, but their, their faith never went any deeper than being nice people who read their Bibles. Never. I never saw it. And so I had this discontent birthed in me that said, there has got to be more to this life of following Jesus than what I see and what I'm practicing. There's got to be more. There's that old Switchfoot song, We Were Meant to Live for, we were meant to live for so much more. Right? Um, that one. I uh, was on the radio uh, a bunch of years ago. Um, and that song always stirred something up in me because I'd be like, yeah, we were meant, you were made, you were created for the deeper life. You weren't meant to say yes to Jesus and then not follow him into your transformation. It's, it's not either or, it's, it's both and, it's just yes. So the deeper life brings congruence to these different versions of the church and who Jesus is and brings them all together as we engage the Holy Spirit for real transformation. And Tozer went on to write something that I think is deeply profound he says, the deeper life is deeper only because the average Christian life is tragically shallow. The deeper life doesn't actually exist. It is the normal Christian life. We just choose to live and walk in the shallow waters when he's inviting us to swim, to get our heads wet, to dive deep, because that's where we're actually meant to exist. Not on the shores looking in and hoping and wondering when it will happen, but just jumping in. Experiencing the fullness of life that he has promised us. Why, why is it tragically shallow? I think it's because the focus 
Um, and, and what we've been taught all along the way has been on behavior and not on belonging. Uh, our, our good friend Ron Walburn will always say, talk about the story of his children and, and, and how he, he learned uh, as, as a father along the way that um, he had to stop fighting the battle for behavior and he had to win the battle for their souls, right? Because we can win the battle for behavior and completely lose the battle for the soul. That's tremendously, think about that statement. I mean, that, isn't that just what we do? We, 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 just, we just try to get everybody to just behave. I have four kids, and there's so many days I'm like, just behave. Don't touch each other or lick that or, like, stop. The Spirit of God comes in and subtly reminds you, hey, remember this is about their soul. Love them like I love them. And we've all been through, we've all been taught to do the right things, to think the right way, to behave in a certain way, and somehow then we will be blessed by God. And so much of the deeper life is knowing who you are in relationship to God. The blessing of the deeper life is reflected here in 1 John. Uh, He's writing and he says, I'm writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. Take a moment on that. Your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I'm writing to you, fathers, he's writing to a specific group here, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, he goes on, dear children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God lives in you, and you have come, overcome the evil one. The deeper life is is marked by three simple things, right? The first is that you grow in your understanding that you belong to God the Father. You belong to him. Did you hear me? You belong to God. Let this take root in your soul. You belong to God. The enemy can never snatch you out of his hands. It's marked by experiencing forgiveness. You are forgiven. doesn't matter how long ago it happened or what it was you said or you did you're forgiven confess your sins to God and he will forgive you wholly and completely unlike 
the way we forgive each other with condition or half-heartedly. He, gives, he forgives fully and it is remarked by this constant reminder that in the face of great opposition, even the, the enemy of your soul himself, that you are strong and you are victorious. You don't become strong and victorious. In Christ, you are strong and victorious. That, that's like, you know, the big game is tonight. There's copyright restrictions on calling it the other thing, by the way, and churches get sued all the time. So we call it the big game. And those, those guys go into that big game and they are clothed with their helmets and their pads, and they are fully covered and protected. And that is how you walk into every day. And you say, God, I don't know if I could do this. And he says, I have fully covered you already. You are strong, and you are victorious. You got this. Go knock the snot out of the enemy. And so in the next few weeks, we're going to unpack some of these ideas a little deeper. This is really meant to introduce us to uh, these concepts. But I want to give you um, a bit of a point you in a direction, just how to begin here in how we go deeper. And there's going to be some scriptures attached to these. Please, please feel free to take a picture of this. Um, dig into these scriptures during the week in your own time. This is a great growth tool right here. Um, so if there's a growth tool for the week, this is it. Um, here's how we go deeper. First, we renew our minds, right? We, we, we spend time. Uh, there's no better place to renew your mind than in opening up the scriptures. There's no better place to renew your mind than getting in God's presence and getting quiet and listening to him and hearing him speak truth. Oftentimes, he will speak truth to you through scripture. So it's good to read. It's great to memorize. Um, and what it helps you do is as, the, as these thoughts come in, you can't do that. Or uh, you should be afraid of that. As, as we get familiar with scripture, we, we start to know some of it. We start to memorize. Oh, if you memorize scripture... That's like moving beyond the surface because now you're putting arrows like in your quiver to fire at the enemy and you're shooting, right? And you're going, I can do all things through Christ who strikes me, boom, you're letting it go, right? And hitting the target. If you want to go deeper, you've, you've got to learn to be on the lookout. Isaiah there talks about seeing and perceiving what God is doing. That as we go deeper, our eyes start to open up. We start to see where God is. We start to perceive what he's doing. We start to get excited about it. Um, you start to become one of those people. God, that we would all be one of those people who seem really excited about Jesus. As if that's the worst thing you could become. It's who you're meant to be. You worship with your all. Your worship gets higher as you go deeper.
walk into any church and I can, I can tell you how deep the life of the church is based by the, how high the worship is. As we go deeper, our worship goes higher. As we go deeper, we stop, when we're worshiping, we stop going, have we been doing this for 25 minutes already for real? And we start going, this isn't enough. God, this isn't enough. I don't want to leave this place. We choose to be spirit-filled. Did you see that? We choose to be spirit-filled. You were filled with the Holy Spirit at the moment of conversion. That is true. But you daily and moment by moment choose to continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You choose that. That means in this moment, God, I choose your spirit and the fruit that your spirit will bear through me than my own fruit. (laughs) which will probably cause some problems. You surrender with joy. The writer of Hebrews talks about throwing off all that entangles us and running in faith. We become stagnant and bored in our walk, when we stop throwing off what is slowing us down. And it just becomes heavy. And we go, I can't do this anymore. Jesus joyfully endured the cross. Those five words are unfathomable to me, but I will continue all my days to try to understand what it actually means. That Jesus joyfully endured the cross. That means I can endure whatever is in front of me, filled with the Holy Spirit, with joy. I can only know that if I go deeper practice his presence. It's a a daily abiding, daily spending time with him, daily making that time a great intentionality without shame or guilt. And as you go deeper, shame and guilt start to wash away. They get dealt with. And we take on love, love like we've never experienced before. We live in community as we go deeper. We begin to see our, our church and our, our community groups and, and even just our circles of friends uh, beginning to live in a way that is reflecting what God has done since the beginning. And he had this idea of... of, of redeeming the world through his church, through his son, but through the hands and feet of Jesus that he calls his church. Learn to live in community in just a different way. We desire community 
in just a different way? Is there a need for it? And in praying without ceasing, um, not just praying, but actually living as a prayer. Your life becomes a prayer to God. Paul writes about your life being a living epistle, right? Your life is, 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 is the evidence of the letter being written by God on you that other people read. I think our prayers ought to be the same way. Our life of prayer ought to be the same way. When we pray without ceasing, man, when you, you encounter someone who prays because they've gone deeper in prayer with God, when they walk in the room, you, you kind of feel the weight of their life of prayer come into the room with them, right? Have you ever experienced that? I've been to a prayer meeting or in worship or there's just that one person you see and you're like, I need prayer. I've got to go find them because they pray. And they pray different than I pray. How do they pray different than I pray? It's because they've said yes and gone deeper. And that's just not for one person to do. That's for all of us. We can all do that. There's, there, there, there are no special people in the kingdom of God. Nobody's got this figured out more than anybody else. Just because I have a title and I, I went through a ridiculous amount of seminary training and did all that, in God's eyes, I'm no different than you. I'm just a loved child who's invited to go deeper and who's learned to say yes along the way and sometimes my yes is quick and sometimes he's got to get that yes out of me, Right? But we'll begin to see, as we learn to go deeper, we're going to see these benefits emerging. We're going to see this, 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 this change happening in our lives, in our church. Because when we do, we, we start to move from unbelief to belief. Right? That's, that's how we categorize discipleship. Discipleship's just moving from unbelief to belief in every area of life. And for some of us, it's not enough to just be, try to be convinced with words. We need to be convinced in God's presence. That only happens when we say yes and we go deeper. And we truly get our unbelief settled at the foot of the cross. We begin walking in the Spirit, learning to live full of the Spirit of God. And we begin walking in it. And we don't even wait for the promptings in the middle of worship when God says, I'm inviting you to, to uh, believe me for what is impossible. We just walk into a room and go, you need to, to, to see that God, everything is possible with God. Let me pray for you. We just start walking a different way. We start being led by not our fears, not our best hopes and desires, but by the Spirit of God himself. To, to bring people into his kingdom. We, we see an increase of faith. We get this, this assurance, both of our, our salvation. As, we go, as you go deeper, you start to worry about death a little bit less. 
When, when I was younger and when I was a new, new in faith, I don't know why, but every time I saw a picture of the universe, I would get scared and I would wonder, is this real? Like, if I die, is, like, is there heaven? Or I don't know why. It just shook me. And as I've gone deeper and he's opened my eyes to the wonders of his creation and the wonders of, of how he, he operates and even has, has allowed me to embrace mystery, that fear went away. That assurance of salvation came to me. And I get an assurance of, of, of the sustaining work that he's doing, that he by his spirit, is carrying me along to the, till the very end of this journey. He will never leave me, never forsake me. I can be sure of that. We get this increased authority that comes along with it. The authority over sickness. The authority over spirits. And it only comes by going deeper. Again, as you go deeper, your authority increases. We start to experience freedom. Real, true freedom. I don't think we're ever going to be totally and truly free this side of eternity. However, we can get really close. <laughs> James, I loved how you prayed earlier, right? That veil between heaven and earth gets paper thin. That's how it's meant to be. We experience the kingdom now. And not yet. And the best part, we just get more of Jesus. I think we've even begun to fathom how deep and how wide and how high that the love of God is for us in Christ Jesus. But he wants to show us. He wants to show us. Go back to the founder of the, of the, of the Christian Missionary Alliance, uh, A.B. Simpson, and um, in his own story uh, for a long time um, as a Presbyterian minister, his pursuit was about kind of fame and acclaim, bigger churches, um, status. Those were all tied in with the way Christianity operated in his time. And he got sick of it and fed up. And he just said, there's gotta be something more. And he begins to go deeper and he starts to have, he has this experience with Jesus where um, he, his spirit becomes renewed. Uh, we would even call that born again, right? That's what scripture refers to it as, right? Jesus says, if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, you must be born again. That's it's, it's, it's not a denomination, by the way. Um, I've heard people say, like, are you one of those born againers? I was like, well, anybody who has faith in Jesus is because it's what scripture says happens in you. Your spirit is now born. You go through one physical birth, but then there's a spiritual birth, right? And so, so you are born into this. And he, he 
he accepts Christ as his savior. He really fully takes on like Jesus on the cross uh, paid for my sin and then he, he defeated death um, and rose to life that I may have life and life to the full. Um, and so he, he encounters Jesus as savior and then he starts to say, now there's gotta be something more than this. I've gone through all of the religious training um, there's got to be more, though. It seems like when I read scripture, there's something deeper going on. And he starts to pursue this deeper life, uh, which he refers to as sanctification. It's a, it's a partnering with the Holy Spirit to go deeper, to become more like Jesus. He, he then uh, encounters Jesus uh, in, in the, the woods of a camp in, in Old Orchard, Maine, Old Orchard Beach, Maine, um, where he had had chronic health issues uh, his entire life, and he just laid himself bare before God and said, if, if you can't heal me, I'll never be healed. And God healed him in a moment. And he walked in divine health from that point on and encountered Jesus, who is our healer, and then his heartbeat became from that moment on that the rest of the nations need to know our savior and our sanctifier and our healer and that he is coming again. He is our coming king and he is the victorious one. And he is calling us to all the nations of the world. That's why the Christian and Missionary Alliance, while we have 119 churches here uh, and uh, was 25,000 worshipers, you know, we have 6 million worshipers in 25,000 churches around the world. It, it's why we send inter international workers to really dangerous places, to the least reached people groups of the world. We don't send money to the places that have already, where there's a church thriving. We don't send workers there. That's, honestly, that's why we probably won't do mission trips to like, you know, Costa Rica. Maybe there's something that happens there that needs some aid and help, and surely we send resources. We have that. But there are people in the world who've never heard the gospel, and they're so far from, from contact with any Christians that they'll never hear the gospel unless we send some who go. And I, I still believe we, Jeff and Kate Hoops said yes to that, right? And they've gone from this church to a place that we won't talk about because this gets podcasted. I don't think the river is done sending people to the ends of the earth. Right? But before we get to the ends of the earth, we've got to get one step deeper. And so Simpson writes in himself this, and I want to leave us with this today before we come to the table and, and we wrap up. And you can read in, here in this, this shift that happens in him as he goes deep, right? He says, once it was the blessing, now it is the Lord. Once it was the feeling, now it is his word. Once his gifts I wanted, now the giver own. Once I sought for healing, now himself alone. Once twas painful trying, now tis perfect trust. Once a half salvation, now the uttermost. Once to ceaseless holding, now he holds me fast. Once to his constant drifting, now my anchor's cast. Once to his busy planning, 
Now tis trustful prayer. Once twas anxious caring, now he has the care. Once twas what I wanted, now what Jesus says. Once twas constant asking, now tis ceaseless praise. Once it was my working, his it hence shall be. Once I tried to use him, now he uses me. Once the power I wanted, now the mighty one. Once for self I labored, now for him alone. Once I hoped in Jesus, now I know he's mine. Once my lamps were dying, now they brightly shine. Once for death I waited, now is coming hail. And my hopes are anchored, safe within the veil. My good friend Kelvin Walker invited us into, in the beginning uh, of our time together today, the question, what has been laid out to you is, is the deeper life is what God is calling us to. There's no doubt about that. And it is the calling of every person who has put their faith in Jesus, is to follow him into life that's beyond the shallow norm. He'd make a new normal for us. What, what is, is not given is your response and my response. So simply, we answer that question we were asked in the beginning. Will you give Jesus your yes, even if it means he takes you to places you've never been before, does it in a way you've never experienced before? We say that there is more to this life. And I was made for more. And I will pursue the deeper life. When we were praying in the, uh, before service, as we, often, as we always do every week, um, the picture I got was that God is desiring to dig in you a deep well to pour his spirit into And every time you say yes to him, it's as if you put the shovel into the ground and scoop out some dirt and make some room. And then he fills. And then you scoop and he fills. Right? That's the walk with Jesus every day. It's not like when you, get some, you call a company and they install a swimming pool and in a week... It's dug in the ground and filled, and you're ready to go. No, you've got to dig it. But he's digging with you. He's strengthening you to put the shovel into the ground. So will you say yes? Will you take that first dig today? Mm -hmm.